Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. just shared. This is my house as much as it is yours, um, and it's always good to be here. Keep Pastor Rigo in your prayers as he is traveling and taking some time off with his family, um, and um, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago to him that whenever he would need me on a Wednesday night that I'm, I'm free for him, so um, he chose this night, so praise the Lord. Um, this morning I want to talk about a topic, and today's going to be more like of a Bible study, and um, just want to dive into the word and kind of get like what the word says and apply it to our lives. Um, I don't know about you, but I am a type of person that likes truth. Can you say amen to that, right? If you like to be lied to, can I see your hand? Lied to? Lied, lied, lied. Everyone likes to be lied, especially me. I'm like, hey. Okay, so no one likes to be lied to, right? But here's the thing. Have you ever seen yourself in a position where you really desperately want the truth? And you guys all seen the movie, right? You can handle the truth. You guys know that epic scene, right? But when you think about truth, everybody desires it and wants it. But there's so many times that we cannot handle it. And because we cannot handle it, we don't accept it. And um, Jesus was all about being the truth. And, and I want to start off with that this morning. Let's turn to the book of John. We're going to look at some scripture here tonight. So um, people in the back, thank you in advance for jumping around with me here this evening. In the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. I, and if you're writing down notes, I want you to write in big letters, claim. It's a claim. It's a declaration. This is it. I want you to hear this here. It's very important. Here's a claim that Jesus answers and says, he says, and this is a very known verse. It says, I am the way, right? And the truth. And then it says, and the life. So we see three claims that Jesus says, this is who I am. So he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Now the end of this verse uh, is very important because it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. What an amazing claim Jesus states on earth. I want to let you know that this claim, this proclamation ruins, destroys, like puts religion upside down. Everything that had been established on earth right now is going to be challenged with this statement. With Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, this is what he says. I am the only way to the Father. Now, this is an awesome proclamation through Jesus because this means that we can approach the father only through who through Jesus like we cannot come to the father we have freedom he is the way the truth and the life we have freedom to come before the father because of Jesus to us hindsight looking back we can give God all the glory fingers we want and all the hallelujahs we want because what we're recipients of Jesus but back in those days that truth that proclamation that claim it turned religion upside down like it put people in a, like people the the Sadducees the Pharisees and everybody in the times of scripture when they were to hear this proclamation and this claim the ultimate truth they couldn't handle it and because they couldn't handle it they didn't accept it I want you guys to think about 
when Jesus was being crucified, who was next? Well, before he was crucified, when they brought up Jesus, who did they bring up Jesus with and they presented him to the people? Who was the other person? Who? Barabbas, right? And you think about that story. I want you to think about that story and, and understand what happened there. We have a killer, right? Standing with Jesus. And they ask, who do we crucify? And who do they pick? Because Jesus with his truth turned religion upside down. The truth of Jesus ruined man's plans on earth. And look how bad they couldn't handle or accept the truth. They wanted to crucify Jesus and what he represented instead of what? A murderer. Because they couldn't handle the truth. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. Truth is very hard to accept. We can sit here and say, give me the truth. I want the truth. Listen. Let your husband tell you, hey, I want to talk to you. I have something to tell you. You don't want to hear truth. Or your wife tell you, honey, I need to talk to you about something. You don't want to hear truth. Or your boss calls you into the room and says, hey, man, we got to talk because you don't want to hear truth. Am I the only person here? Truth turns us upside down, but it brings freedom. In order to be free, you have to receive truth. Truth about our character. Just truth. Like in order for you to be free to forgive, you need to know what the Bible says about freedom. Like to forgive, to love, you got to know what truth about love is all about. We don't want to hear truth. I, can, can I be the only one to admit it before you as I'm preaching here? Man, this is a tough pill to swaddle, this whole truth thing, man. When God grabs a mirror and puts it in front of you and says, look at what you see here, this is what, what it is. It's hard. It's hard to stand and look at the mirror and see yourself for who you really are. And the truth of God stands in front of you and says, these are the things we need to change. These are the things that, that we must work on. Now, Jesus, in this, in this claim that he makes in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, in the first book of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. I can praise God for that this morning. I thank the Lord Jesus for that. I thank God that he sent his son that was the way, the truth, and the life. And because of that, I can come to the Father. Because of Jesus, I am in complete liberty and freedom to approach and enter into the kingdom of his presence. I can pass the veil that he broke. I can have a relationship with him. It was because of his truth of who he is that allowed me to come in. Now, we all know what the Bible says in the book of John chapter 8, verse 32 what does truth do to us? I already said it, but what does truth do to us? It sets us what? Free. If you want to be free, it's not about coming to church. It's not about doing activities in church. If you want to be free of something, it isn't about going to, it, it, it all entails all this stuff. But the reality is, is that you need to hear the truth. The truth. And that is hard. It's hard. It's very hard. I've been doing this for a long time, man. I, I walked into the church at the age of 16, you know, and um, I started serving the church very young. I became a pastor at the age of 22. And the hardest thing for me throughout this whole walk, it's to receive the truth about myself. Like to sit down and say, Lord, who am I really before your presence? Not what people see, but who am I? Who am I? Because it matters to me, the world, and what you think of me and what you say about me. 
because you gave me access to your presence. You gave me truth. You gave me the way. You gave me life in Jesus. And it's important that, that we sit back and we say, God, who am I in your eyes? Give me the truth about who I am. How many people are ready to hear that? It's <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you, when you hear the truth, you're set free. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32, and you will know the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, this is what you want to put on your notes. The, the first thing we talked about, it was a claim that Jesus said, and now it's a promise. Here's a promise for you today, that when you know Jesus, somebody say, know Jesus. It's a big difference of knowing Jesus, right? When you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, when you know who he is, the Bible says that he shall set you free. You have the freedom to approach his throne. I'm telling you, it is the most inspirational, powerful verse right here that you can ever read in your life. When you know Jesus, you are set free. That person that you once used to be, the person that the environment made you to be, the person that you were this morning. When you know Jesus and the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, now God gives you the ability to what? Be set free. Free from the things that are in bondage, things that you think about like you are set free like you don't when you come to Christ like truth presents transformation like if you get truth after you know truth then you're transformed like you cannot know truth and stay that way like when the Bible says right you can't hate your brother once you know that you can't do it like it, it's it's easy to do things when you don't know but when the revelation of truth comes into your mind then then you're accountable to that. And when you know truth, then you must transform. And if there's no transformation, then the only thing I can think about is that you don't know truth yet. Because when you know truth, then you're free. And because you're free, then you transform. This is a process. This is what Jesus proclaims. He, he says a decree. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you know Jesus and you know the truth, then you shall be free. This is just the introduction for you this morning. <laughs> I hope you're writing down notes. If you want my notes, I can send them to you as well. You know, with, you know, the title, if you're writing down notes, it's Freedom to Enter, True Freedom, whichever one you like better. You can be the preacher on your paper here. Um, we're talking about freedom. And uh, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that there is still slavery going on, people in bondage in today's day and age? If you say no, <laughs> uh, you probably don't watch the news because I don't either. But, but I know this by encountering individuals, that this world possesses some very strong chains to keep people in bondage. And there are people walking around us, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, it is a small group. There are people even within the church who walk around clicking and clanging their chains that are wrapped around them with their past and present situation. And the Bible calls us to be set free, not because of who we are, but because of who we know. And when you know him, you are, listen, you must transform. You must. That, by knowing Jesus and knowing the truth of Jesus, you are no longer the same. For you are a new creation. Old things have passed and new things have come. Truth presents, truth 
ushers in transformation. Always. Always. So if you want to change your marriage, you want to change your character, you want to change your ministry, tell somebody, tell me the truth of what you see. <laughs> tell me the truth of what you see. That's where it's at. We want to hear <laughs> what we want to hear. But God intends for us to hear what we have to hear. Very important that you have people in your life that can tell you the truth. And not what you want to hear. The truth of what you see. In order for you to receive truth, guess what? You have to be truthful. What does freedom look like in the Bible? I want to let you know that freedom sometimes doesn't look right away as holiness. What? Let me give you an example and maybe something might light up in your head here. When Saul was on the road persecuting Christians... What happened to him? You can interact. What happened? Why? And he had a conversation, right? At that very moment, he had a revelation of truth. <laughs> Was he Paul? No. Was there a process to Paul come out? Yes. But at that very moment, blind, having a conversation to himself pretty much, Guess what? That moment was freedom because he had a revelation of Jesus. That's where it started. What about this? The prodigal son. Everybody knows that story? When did the prodigal son become free? Where was he? Think. He was in the pig's pen. And what did he say to himself? I should go back home because I had a better life, right? And I can, be a, I can be the lowest of the lowest at my father's house. Before that whole conversation, it says this. And he came to his senses. Truth. He was still in a pig's pen. But he said to himself, what am I doing here? That's revelation of truth. And he was still in the pig pen. Truth may not seem with your eyes as this glorious thing, but when you receive it, it will produce something. Always. What about the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? What about that one, huh? Remember that one? Everybody surrounded Jesus, and they claimed that, stoner, get her. And Jesus looks down on the floor, and he says, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. I can hear it now, every stone dropping from every hand there. And then looking at Jesus, a lot of scholars with the whole writing on the floor, you know, there's a lot of things, but really nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's a lie. If they say, oh, it said this, they're lying. So I don't do that. I just say I think or maybe so. But whatever it was, it was enough for that woman's life to be transformed right there. She revealed truth. To, Jesus revealed the truth to her. I don't know what he did on the ground, but it was, it was enough for that woman's life to be transformed right there on the spot. That's what truth looks like. That's what truth looks like. If you're writing notes, this is very important for you to write down here today. And if your spouse isn't here or somebody that you, you dearly care about, this is something that you'd like to repeat to them and, and try to share with them. Because in my life, I've, I've recognized that the temporal matters to me. Can, can I get a witness here, amen? Like the temporal matters? It matters. 
Don't say no. That's super spiritual and that's, that's hypocritical. You care about the temporal. We all care about the temporal. We have families. We have children. We, we, you know, come on. We, we have jobs. We care about the temporal. You know. But as I was, you know, as, as you grow in the Lord and you mature and, and you learn things, I realized one thing that the only reason why God cares about the temporal is because I care about it. And he's mindful of me. Because if not, it wouldn't matter to God. <laughs> it wouldn't matter. Because God is all about the eternal. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. But I say this because spiritual freedom does not depend on our physical circumstance. I'll repeat that. Spiritual freedom does not depend on our physical circumstance. That means that your life can be totally upside down. But when you've received the truth and the revelation of who Jesus is, your circumstances can't touch you. That's, that's good stuff. Listen, no matter what's going on in your life, if you are free in Christ, freedom in Christ, true spiritual freedom has nothing to do does not depend on your physical circumstances. Nothing to do with it. Like your marriage can be a total disaster, but God is still in his throne. Your kids can be sick. Your kids can be diagnosed. Your ministry can be a disaster, but you're free to walk into the throne of God and talk to him about it. To be in slavery and in bondage and lost is to have those issues and stay out of the most holy of holies and scream at God from the outside. That's bondage, but no, we have the freedom to enter in because we have freedom, freedom to do and freedom to not do. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have freedom to enter into his presence and freedom to exit temptation. Jesus is more concerned with the eternal than the temporal. And you have to realize that. When we come to church and churches love to do this, they make church about the temporal, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the biggest mistake you could do to a church. It's the biggest lie you could do to church members. Because things could be okay today. But if you're breathing the oxygen that I am, you will know that tomorrow is not promised. And that means that everything you have today may not be there tomorrow, including the breath that you're taking in today. So understand this today, that as you walk in this life, and you serve the Lord with everything you have. Don't make this walk about the temporal. Don't make that mistake. This walk is all about the eternal. God is gracious enough to bless us with the temporal. Because we care about it. I always tell my church people. If you care about it. And you love it. Guess what? God cares about it. And God loves it. Because he's mindful of you. That's the God we serve. Right? All right. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 11, this is a verse that can kind of like put your life in the right perspective, maybe in regards to freedom and truth and everything that we're talking about. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 11, according to his, what does it say? Eternal purpose. God has an eternal purpose with you. Praise the Lord. He's got an eternal purpose. Have you met those people that only have a, a purpose with you, a short purpose with you? When you said I do, that's not a temporal purpose. That is an eternal purpose, not marriage covenant. And God says that he has an eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. If you leave here today with one thing in your mind is that Jesus set you free. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is what allows you to approach the Father. He is what built the, the, the bridge of our separation because of Jesus, right? 
we are now friends with God and no longer enemies, right? We are children of God, ambassadors of God. We once were children of wrath and children of disobedience. But because of the freedom, because of Jesus, the truth that he saved our soul, that is truth. Because of that, we are free, free to enter in. So I want to make things practical here this morning, and I have to preach a little bit in everything that I do. So you guys ready for the preaching part of this thing here tonight? All right, let's get down to this here. In the book of John, and everybody turned there, chapter 3. Um, everyone turned there, and, and I'll give you a second. I'd like for you to turn there if you have your Bibles and, and you still uh, write on your notes and everything else. It would be good to do that here today. All right, so first, before we jump and dive into chapter 3, chapter 2 is, 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 is a, a very important part of Jesus' life on earth. Um, in the book of John, chapter 2, Let's kind of paraphrase that real quick here. Jesus' first miracle, what was it? What did he do? What was Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. Amen. It's not grape juice. For those people who think that Jesus made grape juice, I want to let you know, it's not grape juice. Um, I don't support drinking or alcoholism, but the truth is the truth. He made water into wine. Can you say amen to that? All right, allow the religious to exit the room. It's okay. You can say yes, amen. Praise the Lord. It's fine. It's fine. If you want to talk more about that later, we can. Amen. Praise the Lord. John chapter 2 presents the, the water turned into wine, the first miracle. Jesus is Jesus. He does what he does. Just a question here real quick. You can say yes or no. Do you think Jesus was popular? Good. Yes and no is the answer. Very good. <laughs> what do you mean yes and no? What do I do? <laughs> yes and no, he was. He was very popular, but then very unpopular. Uh, when Jesus got to the most popular state of his life, he made himself very unpopular right away. When the multitudes were following him and, and he fed the thousands and he had like the largest church in Miami going kind of thing. And everybody was coming, everyone and their mamas was coming and it was the hottest thing in the world, you know. And, and everybody was going and everybody was coming and hip hip hurrah for Jesus and it was slammed and packed. It's like a preacher's, pastor's dream church kind of thing happening. He looks at everybody who's following him, all the Jewish individuals who are following him, those people who know the culture in, in, in Judaism. He looks at everybody and he says the famous words, eat my flesh and drink my blood to Jewish people. Jewish people, Jewish people don't even eat pig for the love of God. So everybody looked at this guy and said, what is wrong with this guy? Guess what happened after that? Everyone left. Except who? The disciples were there. And it was so bad that Jesus looks at them and says, what are you to do? And then they think about it. And then they tell Jesus. Jesus. It's like, where else shall we go but to be with you? That's the revelation of truth. I say that because... Jesus was not popular to the Pharisees or the Sadducees and the religious structure that man created. Jesus came to wreck it, to fulfill it. Like nothing was going to stand in Jesus' way. Nothing. Not even the veil in the temple was going to stand still. Can <laughs> you imagine that? <laughs> man, I feel like jumping off the stage, man, I'm telling you. Not even the rocks could stay still. They, they broke within themselves. The heavens cried out. That's Jesus. 
And this Jesus comes to this earth to restore mankind. So after he performs his miracle of turning water into wine, guess where Jesus goes in chapter 3? Tell me where he goes. Read it. Just real quick. Where does he go? Where does he go to? Chapter 3. Where does he go? Huh? Chapter 3. Who does he meet with? He sees who? Nicodemus. Nicodemus sees Jesus, right? Eh, whatever. No big deal. But in chapter 2, verse 13... I want you guys to focus there because sometimes when we read scripture, we jump around and we talk about Nicodemus and we forget about what happened in chapter two. And if you've ever read these stories and I'm going to put them together here today, you may have an awe moment today. Somebody go, ah, you may have that moment here today. So Jesus goes to the temple. He goes to the place of worship. And what does he find? I'll give you a second. Chapter two, verse, I'll give you a couple of seconds to read here. Chapter, chapter two, verse 13. Through 15, through 15. Just read it on your own. Two, chapter two, chapter two. Before we get to Nicodemus' story. What, what, what does he find? A what? Un puguero, a flea market. Un puguero, a dollar Mickey Holler. That's what I found there. He found a marketplace. I'm talking about a marketplace. For the love of God, you had to go in to the... To the do you know how you had to enter into the temple in the Old Testament? Here now in the temple, they made it a marketplace, like a flea market. Everything was for sale. There was animals. And what did Jesus do? Yeah, he did. What did he do? Oh, man, this is the Jesus no one likes to talk about. Here comes truth. Here comes truth because truth will flip over tables and do things that you have no understanding in your life and put you in a place that you don't even know where you're standing. This is what Jesus comes to do. He came with truth into his house. And he says, you will not make my father's house a... That's right. You will not make my father's house. What does that do to people who, who make a living off of that? The Sadducees and the Pharisees that made the house of God what it was. Jesus comes now and he wrecks their plans because the truth of God will wreck our plans. What we've been used to, what we've been accustomed, what we allow to happen in our homes, what we allow to happen in this temple. When the truth comes, it'll flip it over. I remember the time that I was sitting in church that the truth of God came and it flipped my life upside down. And I was never able to be the same again. So you see Jesus' method here. It's crazy. Like, what? Like sometimes we get so, oh, be careful what you say in church. You, know, you may offend somebody. You know, be seeker sensitive. Get them in and out in 40 minutes. You know, all these things that, and the truth is, is that when the truth comes, it's going to turn your life upside down. And this is what it did. This is why I'm saying this. I wanted you to read chapter 2 and verse 13, 14, and 15 because Jesus drove these things out of his temple. Jesus flipped over tables and he did everything he had to do so that they can understand what his house was all about. Now, chapter 3. Oh, yeah. Now, chapter 3. By the way, it was Passover. Everybody know what Passover was, right? Passover was everybody and their mothers get to Jerusalem. Like, like Passover was everyone there. Thousands of people. Jesus didn't do this with a couple people there. Like that, it was like Easter service. 
like one Easter service for all of Miami. That's what it kind of was. It was the Passover. Everyone came to this. It was one of these events is when Jesus got lost. Remember that? They were like, you got Jesus. It was like home alone all over again in the Bible. You got Jesus. You got Jesus. I got Jesus. Everyone see Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus was left teaching in the synagogue. And when they got to the place, they said, oh, my God, we left Jesus. That's what happened to home alone. It started, it started in the Bible. All right. Chapter 3. The new birth. That's what happens to preachers. We go, you know, our minds. Uh, chapter 3 in the book of John, it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named what? Nicodemus. Now, I, I want you to see how they explain who Nicodemus is. Was Nicodemus a normal person? He was not a normal person. Who was Nicodemus? A ruler. Listen, I'm about to talk to church people. If you're not a Christian and you don't know Jesus, we can pray for you and you can accept him. He's the only way to the Father. That's it. That's, that's what you're going to hear here, at least from me. And in this church, I know that for a fact. Nicodemus was not a sinner. He was not a sinner. It says that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. That means that he followed the law. He was a well-versed man. He was not a sinner. He wasn't a Gentile pagan. He went to church. The church that was made, right? Judaism. But something happened in the church service when he flipped over tables. I got Nicodemus' attention. And Nicodemus sat back and saw Jesus doing his thing. And when Nicodemus went home and he was laying in bed, he says, something's up with this Jesus. Oh, man, something. When I saw Jesus flipping tables over, something just stirred within Nicodemus. Have you ever been in a church service? <laughs> when you're just sitting there and something happened, and you're laying in bed and you're thinking, you're saying, God, man, and you just can't get it out of your mind. And maybe the people that you were sitting with or the people that you invited back in the day didn't catch it. They were actually probably maybe making fun of what went on in the church, but something happened within you that changed your life. So Nicodemus was a well-respected Jew. So do you think he walked up to the altar call that day? He didn't walk up to the altar call. He waited till it was nighttime where nobody could see him. But that's okay. I always tell people, that your faith will produce works. Not works will give you the faith. The fact that Nicodemus went to go see Jesus was enough for me. Some people expect like people to walk on water and do certain things, but the fact is that he had faith to go see Jesus. He had faith to say to himself, do I stay in a spiritual state of being used to how God moves? Or is this Jesus for real? And do I open up my heart for a new move of God? So Nicodemus had to make a decision. Do I stick with tradition? Because he was a good Jew and a ruler of him too. Or the spirit is stirring something in his heart. Truth was revealed and you'll see that truth set him free. You'll see what he says to Jesus. But he had to make a decision. Do I stay in this religion that I'm used to? Of what God used to do and I haven't seen him move in years. But this is what I'm used to. Or this so-called Jesus that has just turned over. Flipped over. And tried to bring truth to the house of God. Do I accept what this Jesus is presenting? So he goes to see Jesus at night. 
Get that one. By flipping tables over, whipping things, he got one. He got one and his name was Nicodemus. Listen to what he says. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, listen to the term that he calls him. What does he call him? Rabbi. That means master. How did he say that? Jesus did something that brought a revelation of truth to him. Nicodemus just didn't show up at Jesus' house at night because it was Jesus. There was something that was revealed to him. Something in his spirit that he called him rabbi, master, great teacher. Listen to what he says. We know that you are a teacher. It says this. Uh, Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, that you came from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. How many people say truth? Truth. Look what truth did to this man. Truth broke religion. It's not easy. I mean, for those people who went to, to Jerusalem with us, it's not easy to be a Jewish individual and accept Jesus. Our tour guides knew more about Jesus than I did. I was humbled. I have a master's in religion and, and I have a two years in language and they left me in the dust. But Jesus was just a historic figure for them. Something must have happened that changed Nicodemus. And you know what it was, folks? Truth. And truth hurts because he had to reject everything he's ever learned to accept something new. I want to let you know that when you come to Christ, Everything you know goes right down the drain. You can't hold on to anything. You can imagine Nicodemus wanting to hold on to all his merits. Imagine that. Who he was, a ruler. Like, I love that he was a ruler of the Jews. It wasn't, it wasn't cualquiera. It was, this guy was like respected. This guy was the man. It shows you because he comes at night because he didn't want people to see him. But he says, the things you do and the way you teach even though you flipped over some tables and you made a whip and you did all that crazy stuff, even though you did those things, you got something different, man. And that's what truth does. Truth will transform your life. And there is no power on this earth that can hold back truth. Truth will destroy every chain of bondage. And religion, guess what? It was the greatest form of bondage in the Bible. Religion is what put Christ on the cross. It was because what he wanted, who, what he represented, because of who Jesus was, they put him on the cross because he threatened the religious status of the people, what they created to be religion. Jesus threatened that. Jesus threatened religion, and because of that, they put him on the cross instead of a murderer. And it says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, <laughs> you know, some of your Bibles translate, assuredly, I say, that's like, you got it. 
And when Nicodemus says, Rabbi, Jesus replies, you got it. There it is. You must be born again. Now, this is going to get good here. You guys ready? So I need you to follow me because now you're going to get lost here. He says, you must be born again. Nicodemus is a genius of the law. He was a scholar. You know, this guy was like, you want him on Jeopardy kind of thing. You want him on your team when you're having like Bible trivia stuff. This guy's, this guy's it. And Jesus says to him, because Jesus, when he talks to people, if you examine and go into scripture and you see how Jesus replies to people, it's like, Jesus, really? Like he plays with people. Like for real. Like he plays around with people. Like, what, what do you mean, Jesus? Like he ignores people, you know what I mean? And when people talk to Jesus and ask him like a serious question, I've been praying and crying and Jesus ignores them. He insults people like it's, you know, calls them dogs and stuff. You guys know, Jesus, when he responds to people, it's very interesting. Very interesting Jesus that we have. Yep, that's the one we serve. That's the one we have. So Jesus tells him, there it is. You got the revelation. I'm, I'm a master and God is with me and I do all those things. You have to be born again. Oh my, what? So Nicodemus says, Hmm, how am I going to get back into my mother's womb? He's lost. Guy is pedido. The guy doesn't even know where he's standing. So I'm born again. I go back into my mom's womb. Like what? Jesus like. And Jesus is just thinking. And I can just imagine the conversation. I wish I could have been standing somewhere around Nicodemus and say, what do you say about that now, huh, Nicodemus? Now what? What do you think about going back into your mother's womb and being born again, huh? And Jesus was telling him this. You must be born of the spirit. And see, this is where we get this terminology of being born again Christians. Being a born again Christian is receiving the new things that God has for you, which is the Holy Spirit. This new covenant in Christ. The fact that he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in you, that's new. That's being born again. Like not in the flesh, but of the spirit. Because when we're born of the flesh, we're born separated from God. You must understand that. And I know babies are cute. I love my kids. But I, I was praying every single day for, for the day that they could stand firm and make the declaration that Jesus is Christ. Because I know that when we're born, we're born separated from God. But God says you must be born again. What does that mean? You must receive my redemption, the work of the cross. You must receive the truth of who I am. Now, if you've ever given birth in the house, can, can I see your hand? Birth? Any people giving birth? A lot of props to you guys. Look, I've always been sure of my manhood. I, I've loved being a man my whole life. I've never had a problem with it, never questioned it once. But when me and my wife had our first child, I thanked the Lord even more about being a man because of the whole childbearing thing. I'm the kind of guy that stood on the opposite side because I didn't want to faint. Um, I didn't want to be that guy on the, on, the, on the video camera of, you know, falling forward or fainting while my wife is pushing and giving life. I didn't want to miss that. And now, men, you guys, want, I didn't want to miss that. So... I stood on the opposite side. Check this story out. True story. My wife has been a mother baby nurse her whole life. Her whole life. Like 20 something years. And um, one of the doctors were really good friends. Good friends. Went to a guy's house for a birthday. Guy had great family. It was, it, was, it was a blessing to be friends with that guy. So he gave birth to Aaliyah. How many people met Aaliyah? You met Aaliyah before? Yeah. Good. Awesome. So Aniko uh, was giving birth to Aaliyah. And hello. I was there standing. And uh, the doctor says to me. Come over here. I said, no, I'm good. He says, no, no, come, come over here. So I said, oh, God. So I come up. You know, when preachers preach, you think that they're looking at you, but we're not looking at you. We scan the room. So if you ever say, oh, Pastor Rigo was looking at me and preaching at me, you're lying to yourself. 
because really I've, I've scanned the room the whole night. I learned that at a young age. Um, you just scan the room. You think I'm looking at you, but I'm not. You scan the room. So if you ever said, oh, somebody's talking about me when they preach, you're wrong. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. So the doctor tells me, hey, come around. I said, okay, so I'm going to come around. So, you know, I'm not looking at what's going on. I'm not looking at what's going on because I thought I would die. Die there. So the doctor says, okay, give me your hand. I said, what? You know, back in the day when you could take a camera in and all this stuff, it was normal. Now today, day and age, is like, you can't do any of this stuff. But the doctor says, give me your hand. I said, what? He says, give me both hands. He said, okay. So here I am, like, like football, catching the football. I was in squat position. So then he says, okay, I'm going to grab your hands and we're going to get your baby out. I said, wait one second here. I said, stop it right now. Stop it, sir, please. So he says, no, 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 we're going to do this. So I took out Aaliyah. Took her out. You guys know what I'm talking about, taking her out, you know? Listen, right now. My mind, when it comes down to giving birth and childbearing and God talking about us birthing things, like Nicodemus was in a place of his life where he was outgrowing where he was being nurtured in religion. You know, pregnancy and giving birth is all about being in a place and outgrowing that place and coming out. Now, hopefully you can get the revelation as I'm talking here. There are times in this whole childbearing thing that you may think your baby has always been beautiful, but it was ugly when it came out. Like, there was nothing pretty about it. It may have a cone head. It was, it was filthy. Like, it may be beautiful to your eyes, but really, it's not pretty. It took a lot for that baby to come out of that. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? That baby had to get pushed out. Like, I remember both hands went in there, right? Like, both hands went in there. I could have screamed to Leah, hey, come out of there. And she couldn't come out. She needed assistance to come out. And I want to let you know that Nicodemus was in a process of being reborn spiritually. He was in some tight places that he had to go back home and explain to his pharisaical friends, I'm no longer running with you guys. He had to go back home and tell the individuals that he used to function in religion. I, I no longer am going to function in this. I am going to come out of this because I've met Jesus. And now I have a relationship that is stronger than that. And I want to let you know that there are going to be areas in your life where God is calling you to come out of areas that you're going to outgrow. When you know truth, you can't stay there. Like there's things in your life that you're going to have to continue to mature and grow and leave behind because it's you that's growing and where you were at, it doesn't keep you any longer. And that's what happens to a baby as it grows and it nurtures and that's who we are in Christ being born again in the spirit where God fills us and he's doing things in us and we no longer fit where we are at and God wants us to come out and are you guys understanding this? Now you women... You know, the breathing, the, the pushing. You know, it's interesting because it's all fun and games until that last push comes. Because you want to quit. Right? That last push. And you'll hear the doctor, you, I mean, I heard it, you know. Okay, this is the last push, but you got to give me everything you have. And that's when you don't want to give it all. That's when you want to just quit. Listen, in our lives, when you feel like quitting, just give that last push because that's where the glory is. 
that's where the glory is at. And I get truth, and I can stay on this thing all night long because when Jesus tells Nicodemus, I want you to be born again, he's telling him, I want you to breathe life. I want you to breathe life. Enough is enough. I want you to be your person. I've created you for something. Be who God has created you to be. Don't stay the same. I've had a lot of visitors in church, and praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a doggy daddy right there if I've never seen one before. Praise the Lord. So I want to end today with this last thought here in regards to being born again, to, to coming to a place where old things have passed and new things have come. How many people want transformation? That's life, right? Transformation. Accept truth, man. Don't get offended when truth is presented to you. You know, do you know how many times I've sat in the last 20 plus years um, pastoring where when people come to talk to you, the easiest way to talk to somebody is reading the scripture back at them. Because it's truth. Truth will transform you. You have to get that tonight. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you know him, then you can come to the Father and you shall be set free. This whole thing of Christianity, it's about being free. That's all it's about. Recognizing who you are. Leaving who you once were and being who God has called you to be. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you got to be born again, Nicodemus. What does that mean? I'm telling you today, get out of the place that you no longer fit. Come out. Come out as a new creation. Allow the truth of God to transform you. Allow his freedom to set you free. Walk into his presence. You belong there. You know, as a pastor, uh, I really, really enjoy worship because I don't belong in his presence. I don't. When I come to worship, I realize that I'm going into a place that God graciously allowed me to enter. Worship isn't about the song I like or the style of music or if they sound whatever it is. Worship to me is this is the truth that I don't deserve to be in his presence. <laughs> so when I come to worship services about Lord, thank you for allowing me to be in your presence, Lord. And this is all about you. That's truth. It's not about worship service being 15 minutes or 25 minutes or 30 minutes. Worship is about you giving your everything to the Lord because you don't belong there. And if you're going to let me get there, I'm going to enjoy myself. So sorry if I'm here just a little bit too long because I really don't belong here. And God's let me be here. Enter into his presence. Truth will not transform you if you don't know it. Guys, this is what will transform you. Listen, I'm not saying this because he's your pastor. 
But Pastor Reed was one of my favorite preachers. I'm telling you, not because he's my son and, and I've, I taught him and he, I mentored him and, and I'm your overseer. That's not because of that. But I say that because he really is one of my favorite preachers. Really, he really is. But if you think that Pastor Regal's words can transform you, man, the only thing that transforms you is his truth. It's the truth and it's the word of God. And what makes him so effective is because he speaks the truth. I'm here to tell you today, if you want truth, you have to handle it. Because if you don't handle it, you won't accept it. Can we pray tonight? Were you guys blessed? Yes. Amen. If you want my notes, you can text me. I'll send them to you. They're color coordinated. You may be crazy and saying, what's wrong with this guy? There may be things I didn't say. Maybe things that I did say that aren't there. That's just the way it works with me when I share. i more than happy to give you the notes. Amen. Let's pray that we keep our minds on the truth, right? Uh, on the word of God. Because that's where true freedom is all about. And when you hear the truth and it's revealed to you, it breaks every chain. Amen. Let's pray.